information. And Cody, if you can try to get something to connect for me, that would be great. Um, Because all my notes are in what's connected. Uh, But uh, go ahead, go, yeah. So we're continuing our series on caller ID today. And today I want to talk about answered calls. Now last week we talked about unanswered calls. And we talked about how that too many times we let the phone ring. We let things just keep going and keep going. And we try to figure out how we can avoid what God wants us to do. And, And the week before that, we talked about screening calls. We talked about how that we need to pick and choose what calls we allow to speak into our life. And and, and today, I want to look at a positive. I know that's going to shock some of you, that I want to be positive today. But I also want to look at the fact that when we answer a call, it always costs us something. When you answer a call, it always, almost always, requires something of you. If I call you, a lot of times I'm calling you to say, hey, I haven't seen you in church lately. And I want you to give up your Sunday morning and come to church. Or I may call you and say, hey, why don't you come over and have dinner with Beth and I? And then when you get there, I give you a job, Mary and Joseph. Or unload a truck. It cost us something. Sometimes people call us, and it costs us that we have to pay the bill that we owe. Or they call us with that wonderful once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make this investment. And while it may eventually be a good thing, there is a cost involved. I'm going to tell you, when God calls us, there is great blessing There is great reward. There is great provision. But there is a cost. So I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning. Luke chapter 5, verse number 8. Starting in verse 8, reading through verse 11. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, Please leave me, I am such a sinful man. For he was all struck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. We thank you and we praise you for your mercy, for your grace, your peace, your understanding. And Lord, I ask that as we begin to move through this service, Lord, that you would just open up the windows of heaven into our life. Bless our hearts. Bless our spirits. Lord, move us in your power, move us in your anointing, and move us in your victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. 
answered calls. There will come a place in everybody's life that God calls. Do not buy into the lie of the devil that I was called, but you wasn't. I I, I got news for you. This idea that we have fostered in the modern American church that I have a calling, but you don't have a calling is a bunch of, as the Greek would say, hogwash. That's southern Greek, but it's Greek. We've got this concept that we don't have a calling on our life, but I'm telling you, your calling is greater than my calling. My calling as a pastor, we need to understand this. And, and, and My calling as a pastor, yes, as a Christian, I'm, calling, I'm called to reach the lost. As a pastor, I'm called to encourage, direct, and correct the called. My calling as a pastor is not about what I do out there. That's what I do as a Christian. My calling as a pastor is to encourage you, correct you, direct you, build you up so that you can go fulfill your calling. But somewhere down the line, we decided that as Christians, we were called to sit in a chair and pastors were called to go win the lost. I've got news for you. Your calling will cost you something. Sometimes it's scary. Oh, my calling as a pastor is easy. My calling as a pastor, man, I, I, I am, I don't know if y'all have noticed in seven years, but I'm not real shy in the pulpit. I can be bold. I can be direct. I can, oh, I, oh yeah. I mean, I know I sugarcoat a lot of my sermons, but but I, I, I can once in a while step on a toe or a foot or an ankle. Helen's going or a leg. I, 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 I am powerfully bold behind the pulpit. That's my calling as a pastor. It has cost me some things. It is cost me uh, um, probably some things in my life that I could have if I worked another job. But I love it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm just like you as my calling as a Christian. Because while I'm bold in the pulpit, you get me out of the pulpit. Nobody believes this, but I'm, I am legitimately shy. Y'all laughing, y'all don't believe it. It's because you see this. I am very shy. And, and, and I get out at Walmart. I'm not, I tell you, you need to pray for the people that check you out. I do, but I do it under my breath. God bless them. God bless, bless their heart. I, I, I understand. I get, I get so jealous. I've got a good friend of mine. I've talked about him before. Uh, um, Rodney Mullins and and I get so jealous. I'll go eat with Rodney when we were uh, in Ohio together, 
And just about every time we'd be, they'd bring the food and Rodney would stop the waitress. Hey, we're Christians. We're about to bless our food. How can we pray for you? And I think, that is so awesome. And nine times out of ten, they would cry. I, I, I did it one time. I, I was actually in a bad mood the day I did it. I, I, I was in a bad mood. And I thought, and I asked, we're about to pray. Can, what can we pray for you about? The lady went and wrote us a list. Cool. What a powerful thing. But I'm too shy to do that most of the time. Sometimes I'm meeting with people that I'm afraid to let them know I'm a Christian. I'm oh, sorry. We, that's why I don't witness at Walmart. I don't want them to know who I am. I'm always mad. Hey, tell you something. Our calls cost us. Sometimes it costs us our pride. Sometimes it costs us that we got to step beyond what we're comfortable with. We got, we got to do things that we've never done before. When God, that, that's just a, but then God begins to give you calls. General call is to witness. Everybody that's believer in Christ is called to witness. But then we start getting special calls. Sometimes it's pastor, teacher. Sometimes it's just to be there. I'm going to tell you, these two people right here, They came to church. They were apart. But then all of a sudden, I don't even know what happened. Something just clicked. We asked them if they'd do nursery, and they didn't just say, yeah, we'll do nursery. They dove in head first. Dear Lord, they, they, my office is full of toys so that they can redo the nursery, and, 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 and we're going to, when we do the floor, we're going to cut a corner off that nursery. And she said, no, Pastor, I don't know about that. So I had to agree to move my office to another room because we're going to put a door in there taking my office over for nursery. And, and, and they've got a passion. But it didn't stop at nursery. It's here and there. And, and, and they were with me the other day. Uh, when when we got the call that that we'd that I'd be doing the funeral and we'd be doing a dinner here tomorrow, before she even asked, Crystal was on the phone taking the day off work so that she could be up here to help. See, a call has grabbed a hold of her life, and you know how excited I am because I've told Beth and I've told a few people that I see something in Crystal and Justin. They are the next generation, Rick and Mary, and praise God, hallelujah. Not yet. You're not off the hook. But they have that kind of personality, that kind of attitude that says, oh, wow, is there something I can do? Let me go do it. And, and, and there's so many people like that, and, and it's exciting, but it costs you something. We began to understand that calls cost you something. And praise God, they found me something. That... Hallelujah. So as I began to look at this story, I began to understand that a call is going to make us do things that we're not used to. The first thing that I see is that a call 
makes us go deeper. When you look back in, in, in the first part of this story, uh, a little before what we read, verse number 2 of chapter 5, talking about Jesus had come up to the Sea of Galilee and crowds had gathered around him. In verse 2 it says, He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For fishermen had left them and were waiting, washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. As I begin to look at this passage, I begin to understand that when God calls us, again, remembering that when we accepted Christ, we became evangelists. As soon as you accept Christ, it's time to tell the story of Christ. But then God's going to call you to go deeper. He's going to call you to get deeper into the Word. He's going to call you to get more involved in the church. He's going to call you to do things that require more of you. When Jesus first got in Simon's boat, he just pushed out from the shore a little bit, still in shallow water, still in a place where he had complete control. Simon, I mean. Simon could could control the boat, could stop the boat very easy because he was in shallow water. It was pretty simple life. God's first call to Peter was let me use you as a platform. See, that's what happens when we get saved. God says, let me use you as a platform. Let, let, me, let me sit in your boat and teach other people. That, that, that's what we do as a Christian. We sit in shallow water. And God testifies through our life of his power. But when he had finished speaking, he looked to Simon and he said, go out to the deeper water. Go out to the places that you have less control. Go out to the places that if something happens, there's more danger. Go out to the places where you can no longer reach the ground. You see, sometimes we have people who are just good people. Just good people. Comes to church, supports his wife. Just good people. And then all of a sudden God says, go deeper. Seven years ago, six and a half years ago, Dwayne was just a good old boy that came to church with his wife. But then God said, go deeper. Before Dwayne knew what happened to him, he was the treasurer, the youth leader, involved in ministry every time he turns around. I've watched his heart become so Soft and breakable. Tears come in his eyes. 
seen a passion in him. Why? He went deeper. He, he went to a place he hadn't been before. He did something that he couldn't control anymore. He moved to a place. I could go around this room. I could talk about Johnny. And, and, and the power as Johnny, God grabbed Johnny, and then Johnny, God said, go deeper and deeper. And Johnny keeps moving deeper and deeper and deeper. I, 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 could, I could pick out anybody in this room. We've all been there. It cost us something. But we can't have victory until we move from the shallow waters. Jesus says, go out to the deeper waters and prepare for a catch. You're not going to get the provision God has for you. You're not going to receive the promise God has for you until you get out of the controllable waters of the shallow water and you let that boat get into the deep stuff. You got to get out there where the blessings are. We can't see the lost get saved. Only setting in the shallow water of the church. They're not here. I got news for you. We don't live in a day and age anymore where everybody just goes to church because they're supposed to go to church. This isn't Mayberry anymore. The town drunk doesn't get out of the drunk tank and come to church. That's what Otis did in Mayberry. We, we don't live in that day anymore. We don't even live in that day. Most people got up this morning and they didn't think whether or not they should go to church. They didn't even think about church. We're in shallow water. We're in shallow. Yeah, occasionally we get somebody that used to be saved. Or a friend of a friend. See, that's how we get people. We bring a friend. We're not filling these seats. With sinners aren't just walking in the building. The big fish don't just swim up to the bank. You got to get out where the water's deeper. Where the bigger fish are. Jesus says to Simon, I've got something you, you're not going to believe. But you're not going to get it at the shore. You're not going to get it sitting in the pew. You're not going to get it hiding yourself away from everybody else. I, you're not going to get God's blessing Listen to me preach. Everybody said, amen. That's not blessing at all. But I tell you where you're going to get blessing when you start pushing out in the deep. When all of a sudden you push yourself out into the nursery, there's blessing in the nursery. You start pushing yourself into kids' church. Start pushing yourself into youth ministry. Start pushing yourself to get up in front of everybody and worship. You, you, you start pushing yourself to come clean the church. Oh, now, pastor, there's no joy in that. Oh, come on now. There is victory. There is power. All of a sudden, you start pushing yourself into something that's deeper. 
And, 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 and you see what God can provide for you because you went to a place that was out of your control. But the story doesn't stop there. As a matter of fact, I see something really powerful. I see the next slide, I hope. It says, try it again. There it is. It don't like me. There it is. Verse 5, Simon begins to talk. And he said, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let my nets down again. And this time their nets were full of fish, so full of fish they began to tear. I got news for you, church. Sometimes we have a life that brings us in and God calls us and we say, God, I've tried. I tried. I tried to. All night last night we were out there in the deeper waters and we were fishing. I've witnessed to my friends. I hear this over and 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 over again. I've heard it all of my ministry and I've heard it in the last seven years I've been here. I don't know nobody else to witness to. I done witness to everybody I know. I tried. I tried. Oh, I hate that phrase. My mama instilled in me a disdain for that word, that phrase. You've heard me tell you how mean my mama was. They're in church, so they're not watching. <laughs> I can tell you how mean my mama was. My mama would tell me to do something, and I'd go do it. It wouldn't be at her standard. She said, I told you to do that. And I'd say, I tried. And she would say, don't try. Do it. But I tried. Don't try. Do it. Trying ain't enough. See, we live in this day and age. I'm trying not to get off here, but. We live in a day and age when we give everybody a trophy for participating. Let me tell you something. It ain't enough to participate. It ain't enough to try. Go do it. Peter said, or Simon, same, same person, said, listen, we've been out there. We tried. We went out there. I am, do you know who I am? I am a professional fisherman. I'm a pro. I've already been out there. I've already worked for the fish, and I got me a few, and my nets are clean, and I'm ready to take the day off. But but if you say so, when God calls us more often than not, we say, God, I've, tried, I've already tried that. I've done that. God, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. If you're in ministry, I've been there, done that, got the blood-stained T-shirt to prove it. I've tried it, I've tried it, and I've tried it. Witness to your family, the pastor says. And you go, I've witnessed to my family, they don't listen. Listen. 
witness to your neighbors. I've witnessed to my neighbor, but they're not nice. Witness to your co-workers. I don't even like my co-workers. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Here's what we do in the church. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but they're just a bunch of uncircumcised Philistines. They're a bunch of stiff-necked. Let me tell you something. Jesus, I don't care what you've done before. I don't care what you tried. Now I'm telling you to do it. I, I, I know that you've been there and you've done that, but I'm telling you there's something different in your boat now because when you did it before, you went out there and you tried, but now the Holy Ghost is in your heart. The Son of Jesus is in your boat, and there's something different now. If you'll trust me, I'm going to show you. We got to quit thinking that just because we failed at something once doesn't mean we can't succeed at it the next time. Just because we had a hard time doesn't mean it's the end. My second sermon, most of you have heard about it. I went and preached. I preached everything I knew about my topic. Three times in five minutes. Y'all are thinking, oh, where are those days at? Where are those five-minute sermons at? My, my powerful heartstrings altar call was, that's all I got, folks. Y'all come pray. I got in the altar. I wouldn't pray for nobody. I said, God, I'm done. I tried it. I can't do this preaching thing. I'm going tomorrow, and I'm joining the Air Force. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm through. It's over. God, come up and slap me upside the head. That's what some of you need. You need God to come up and slap you upside the head. You need to get away from this mercy, grace-filled God, and you need a God that will come up once in a while and say, Hey, pay attention. He slapped me upside the head, and he said, Learn to study. Do it the right way. And then he said, go two people down from me in this altar and pray for that young man. And I went down, and the first person to ever get saved in my ministry got saved that night. It wasn't about me. It was about God. I tried, I said. God said, go do it again and again and again. And now, 31 and a half, 31 years from that service, I'm preaching two, three times a week. And, 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 and I'm not the worst preacher in the world. I ain't the best. But I've sat there for some of the worst, so I'm not the worst. And, and, and why? Because when God said, go do it again, I went and did it again. I've already witnessed to that person, go witness again. I've already invited them, invite them again. And again, and again, and again, Simon said, I tried, but at your word, because you ask, because I can already tell from hearing what you said that there's something about you, I'll go do it again. Oh, I worked nursery before. 
I didn't like it. Try it again. I did kids' ministry before. I didn't like them. Do it again. I did youth ministry before. Lord, that's the one I got. I've done youth ministry before. Every once in a while, God says, go back. Go back. Do it again. Do do what you've already done. And let me show you what I can do. Do. Step out and don't limit yourself. But say, okay, God, if you want me to go back to where I was, I'll go back to where I was. And I'll do again what you've called me to do. The Bible says that he pushes the boat out. And he lets down, he lets down his, his, uh, his nets. And he catches a great catch of fish. He, at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish to the, on the verge of sinking. When Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. Lord, please leave me. I'm not good enough. The biggest challenge to fulfillment of God's call in our life is this phrase. I'm not good enough. God, I know what you want me to do. I can't make it happen. I'm not the talker. My wife is. That's what Dwayne said. I'm not the, I, I can't be the, 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 the straightforward, hard-hitting pastor. That's what my wife does. That's what I say. I'm nice. She's not. Maybe she's watching her. I, we, we, we say all the time, I can't do that. I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other. You know what? That's what God's looking for. If you could do it, you wouldn't need God. Quit looking for ministry you can do and grab a hold of a ministry you can't do. Because if you do a ministry you can do, God can do it without you. I mean, you can do it without God. But if you grab a hold of a ministry you can't do, it's got, it takes God. You know why I still love preaching? Because I know what it's like to preach on my own told you about it. It wasn't pretty. And I know I can't do this by myself. I'm telling y'all, I'm a shy man. For me to get up and preach the way I preach, that's a challenge. 
for me to be a pastor and, and, and in the past a youth pastor where I had to be. Look at me. That's not me. You go back and you ask, you find kids that went to Corona Del Sol High School in Tempe, Arizona between 1984 and 1986. And you say, do you know Tommy Sandifer? And most of them will go, who? You go to the graduating class. I graduated in 1987 in Shelby, Ohio. I was there for a year. You go back and you may find a few. Oh, yeah, he sang in the choir and he came in. He was a weird guy. You go find a lot of people that went to Lee University at Saint, when it was Lee College back in the days I went and asked if they know who Tommy Sandifer is. They'd go, who? Very small group knew who I was. If I can hide behind a joke, maybe. I'm not good enough to do this. God called me to preach. You know what I used to tell him? I still tell him. I'm not smart enough. How in the world am I supposed to get up here and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, preach on the Bible, and I've got Furman Haas Settler and Mike Rook sitting in the sanctuary? These guys know it so much better than I do. I, there are times I will preach things, and, and I'll probably make Mike nervous now. There are times I'll preach things, and I'll look at Mike, wait and see if he goes. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get ahead on the edge. I'm going to see how Mike responds to this. Let me tell you something. All of us use this phrase. I can't be with people. You don't know what my past is. You really don't know what my past is like. You don't know what I struggle with. When I'm by myself. I, I can't do this, God. You don't know what my family situation is. I, 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 I'm not good enough. I want you to hear this. Simon almost hung up the phone. Fell down on his knees and said, Leave, Jesus. Get out of my boat. Little did Peter know, or Simon who became Peter, little did he know that just a few years later, it wouldn't be Jesus getting out of the boat, but it'd be Peter. <laughs> See, he didn't know what he was capable of he, with the anointing of Christ on his life. He didn't know what God had in store for him. He only felt like he wasn't good enough. But I got good news for you. I don't care what you think you can or can't do. God says, I didn't, I didn't call the qualified. I qualified the called. 
I'm going to get you ready for this. I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to help you with the struggles and the fights that are in your life. I'm going to take care of your family. And then... Jesus answered. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Peter, you don't need to be afraid of what you're not capable of. You don't need to be afraid of what you can't do because I've come by to tell you that from now on, your life is going to be different. We're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. We're going to be fishing for people. From now on, what you see as important is going to change. What you see as your ability is going to change. The, the, the authority that you're going to take is going to change. Right now, you think, I need to get out of the boat, but there's going to come a day that you're going to get out of the boat. There's going to come a day that you're going to stand up, and 3,000 are going to accept Christ, and 5,000 are going to accept Christ. Peter, I can tell you, I'd scare you. it would have scared Peter in the boat. If Jesus said one day you're going to walk down the road in your shadow, passed over sick people is going to bring healing. See, God, Jesus couldn't tell Peter everything in the boat. All he could tell him in the boat was don't be afraid. I've got something different for you. I've got something better. Some of us, we say, oh, we'll do what God wants as sure as, as long as soon as he shows us everything. You can't handle everything. To put it in a popular vernacular, you can't handle the truth. You, you can't handle all that God wants to do in your life. If God, years ago when you were just saved, if God told you that you were going to be casting out devils and you were going to be witnessing and, and bringing up drug addicts, you'd be like, oh. All of a sudden, three or four years ago, Johnny, three or four years ago, if God told you he was going to be deacon in a church, not me. Not me, or that's a messed up church, one of the two. So we're half there. i tell you something. We tell him we're not good enough. God's not going to give you the answer to everything. He's just going to tell you, don't be afraid. Can I rephrase that statement for you? Jesus said, I got this. I got this. But you don't need to know yet. You don't need to know yet that you're not just coming to a church. You don't need to know that you're going to be the treasurer. You're going to be the youth leader. And you're going to be, and you're going to be, I told the council a couple of months ago, or back, I guess, when he became youth leader, I, I said, you know, I said, we had a paid treasurer, and when she left, Dwayne volunteered. We had a paid youth pastor, and when he left, Dwayne volunteered. I said, so if I ever leave, Dwayne will volunteer. And Dwayne said, <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Dwayne. Don't be afraid. But. We've got to understand 
that we can't see the end of the road, but he can. Jesus is same yesterday, today, and forever. He is om- omnipresent. That means he was here yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus calls you, he already knows how it comes out. When Jesus got in the boat with Peter, he already knew that the shadow of Peter would heal the sick. He already knew that he would be the first overseer of the church. He already knew that it would be at the hands of Peter that the first Gentiles would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Paul may be coming to be the apostle to the Gentiles, but the first ones to receive the evidence of speaking in tongues would do it at the hands of Peter. All of that, Jesus already knew. And when Peter is saying, get away from me, I'm not good enough, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Because you're about to do so much more. You're fishing for fish right now, now you're going to fish for people. It's not going to look the same. You're going to be different. I'm going to tell you, I don't have time to preach this because it's already 12 and I'm almost done. But I'm going to tell you, from that day forward, there's only one other time that I see Peter got to catch a fish, and that's what, or two other times, and both of those, Jesus was involved. Every other time I see a record of Peter fishing, he doesn't catch anything. That professional fisherman lost his ability. All of a sudden, Dwayne, every time you go to the pond, there ain't no fish. Every hook is dry. Ain't no wiggly worms working. It ain't no more fishing for fish because now you're fishing for people. He's like, can I not do both? Peter had a future. Jesus said, more than you expect. And then verse 10, verse 11, it says, As soon as they had landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can get this picture. As soon as they came back with a catch of fish, professional fishermen came back with a catch of fish, so great it was sinking two boats. Can I tell you who were in the boats? Peter and James, his brother. And in the other boat, no, Peter and Andrew, his brother. I'm sorry, Peter and Andrew, his brother. And in the other boat was his cousins, James and John. All four of them, professional fishermen. They're rolling back into shore. Their boats are about to sink. They just got a life. They just hit the mother load. And the Bible says, as soon as they had sold their catch and gotten the money for it, they walked away from their business. Nope. See, some of y'all need to bring your Bibles. It says, read that, read that verse, verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They brought in the biggest catch of their career, the biggest catch of their life. They climbed out of the boat and walked away from it. Because the biggest thing in my life ain't nothing compared to what he has. 
You know what it cost? It cost everything. The cost of answering a call from God means that everything gets laid to the side. Everything. Everything, everything, all the work, all the blessing, all the provision, all the answer, everything. Your history, your past, your reputation, your family, everything. We don't like that preaching. Oh, now, Pastor, my family is more important. I'm going to tell you. That distortion from the devil has pulled more people out of church than anything I can think of. Well, now, Pastor, I work and I do this. My family is more important, so we're going to the lake. We're going here. We're going there. And then we wonder why our kids grow up and don't care about going to church because we taught them that it was more important to have family time and go to the lake than have family time and go to church. We've taught them. That we can be busy enough that we never see each other through the week. But when it's time to come together and celebrate and worship God and grow in God, we don't need that. I'm going to tell you, you bring back the dinner table, you can come back to church again. You start eating dinner with your family, and all of a sudden, you realize that you can go to church together. Many, many people shouting right now. I got news for you. If we're going to answer the call, it costs everything. When I answered the call, not the call to be saved. That costs a lot. But when I answered the call to go deeper, it cost everything. Do you know it cost me my identity? Not just other people, but even in my own life. People ask me who I am. And I am Pastor Tommy. In my own head. When I went through some struggles one time, and I had to, and I went and I saw a Christian counselor. Yeah, I've been there. And he spent the first session finding out about me. The next session, he said, Listen, you talked to me 45 minutes last week. I don't have a clue who Tommy Sandifer is. So I know who Pastor Tommy is. He said, The reason you're struggling is you don't know who you are. tell you something it costs something it costs my emotions people can be mean people can be mean my family grew up my boys grew up different because they grew up in the pastor's house Oh, you can't do that. I had to tell my boys, everybody watches you more than they watch anybody else. Is it? And I told them all the whole time growing up, I grew up the same way, the whole time growing up, it's not fair. Truth is, life ain't fair. But it's who we are. Cost me my marriage. Is that why Beth's not here? No, she's home because she still has a headache. 
I'm her headache. She still has me. But our marriage has always been different. We've been in the pastor's house since we got married. It's different. Your call is going to make everything different. But it's all worth it. If Peter had stayed with the fish, we wouldn't have had a clue who he was. But his identity now is upon this rock I'll build my church. Church, I want to challenge you this morning. Answer the call. Answer the call. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be scary. But God's got this. He's going to take you places you've never been. Oh, pastor, I'm old. Oh, pastor, I'm young. It don't matter. God's going to do some things in you. He can never do in me. He's going to reach some people with your life that he can never reach with mine. He is going to build a crown fashioned by your obedience. Pastor, I don't need a crown from God. I just need to get to heaven. Well, let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, we're going to take those crowns and we're going to put them at the feet of Jesus as our worship for him. Do you want to have something to worship him with or not? Are you arrogant enough to think that you making it's all you need to do? Or do you want to get up there with a crown that you can say, oh, this is all the stuff I did for you, and I did it for your glory, and we're going to get to walk away from that again too. We need to answer the call. We need to answer the call. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I need your power. I need your anointing. I need your peace. Lord, sometimes the call that you put in our heart seems more than we can bear. Lord, sometimes the call is scary. Lord, the blessings, the outcome is amazing. But even in that great provision, it pales in the vision of your hand. Lord, you saved my life and you called me to tell everybody I know what you've done in my heart. Lord, you've also called me into the deeper waters. You've called me into deeper commitments. You called me into more deeper ministries, preparing, training, comforting. Lord, I don't know that I can. Lord, I don't know that I'm able. But Lord, I'll leave behind everything I've had to this point to follow you to walk in your victory Lord I'll leave the fish behind to walk on the water I'll leave my profession of faith behind 
to hear you restore me and command me to feed your sheep. Lord, I'll leave your presence behind to feel the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'll leave my freedom behind to testify in prison walls. I'll leave my title and my position to walk the streets and let the sick be healed. I'll leave the admiration of the church to lay my life down as a martyr and die for your gospel. Just as Peter did all of these things, Lord, I don't know what's ahead in my life. I don't know what's still out there. Lord, I'll answer the call. I'll pay whatever it costs. I'll endure whatever I have to endure. I will answer the call. Lord, as the pastor of this church, as a church body, we will answer the call. I can't answer for the individuals in this room. But Lord, as their pastor, I will encourage them to step beyond what they're comfortable with. I will make it my mission to stretch them, to push them, to move beyond what they can do and step into realms that only you can do. Lord, we answer your call. We thank you for your call. And we live by your call. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Be back tonight uh, for our night of worship with our pastors. Uh, you will be blessed. Shake hands, be friendly, tell somebody you love them, everybody, God loves them, you're dismissed.